just tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for his own. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear these burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. He is a kind, compassionate friend. If I but ask him, he will deliver. Make up my troubles quickly end. I must tell Jesus I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Tempted and tried, I need a great Savior. One who can help my burdens to bear. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus. He all my cares and sorrows will share. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Thank you. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight and, um, well, let's see, turn to Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 again and then we'll just get things moving along. Again, we're dealing with money and possessions and really the believer's attitude and outlook. And that's really the key and that's what we're really focusing on. Again, so much of our Christian lives are really about our attitude, aren't they? So much of, um, you know, the success of the, the, the work of God in our lives and the work of God even in our own lives as we reach out to people, is about our attitude, our outlook. And you can be pretty negative, you can be critical, you can see things in a pretty dark manner, and uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it's important how you view things. It's important how you view people, and even in this area of money and possessions, it's important how you see things, and uh, you know, we want to see them the way God does. And again, in the passage that we turned to, it said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we understand that has so much more implication than just finances, but may I say that that mind of Christ is the mind we ought to have, amen? It ought to be. In every area of our life, it ought to be the mind of Christ. 
whether it's uh, in our relationship with our marriages, whether it has to do with our children, maybe our pastor or leaders in the church or possibly even just our ministry and those that we serve, our attitude, our outlook is so awfully important. And so when it comes to this area of the believer's attitude and outlook concerning money and possessions, we need the mind of Christ if we're going to truly, uh, truly be happy and content and ultimately satisfied. And so we've been addressing this issue, and we talked about our perspective concerning money and possessions. And we said, uh, you know, that money's a big deal to God, and it's important, and it's uh, very, it's something that, that He spends a lot of time dealing with and addressing, even in His Word. And we also said our position concerning money. We talked about that, and, and we said, well, what's our position concerning money and possessions? We said, well, it's that of a steward. We're to be stewards. We realize that we really own nothing, that everything that we have is His. And He entrusted into our watch care, and we're to care for those things. We're to be simply stewards of God's heritage. And then last week, we started asking, um, well, no, a couple of weeks ago, we asked the question, do I have to be poor to please God? And of course, we recognize the fact that that's not the case at all. And we, don't, we needn't worry about that. We needn't be concerned about that. And and that, truthfully, God, throughout the Word of God, gives us tremendous examples of people that He blessed financially. So it's certainly finances or money and possessions are not uh, bad. It's just, again, our attitude, our outlook concerning them. And so then we began to ask the question a couple of weeks ago. We said, at what point does money interfere with my relationship with God? And we touched on a couple. We said, first, when you trust in money rather than trusting in God. Well, we said that's a real problem, isn't it? And, and we addressed that. We talked about that, so we needn't go through it again. But we said, number two, when your affections are set on your earthly possessions instead of your heavenly possessions. Now, that's a problem because, again, we are eternal beings and we look forward to an eternity. And when our emphasis and our outlook and attitude is focused on the temporal and fails to address and deal with the eternal, then we're a little short-sighted. And so we have to be careful when our affections are set on earthly possessions instead of our heavenly possessions. Well, maybe it's affecting our relationship negatively. And it is often in that case. Then we said, when you think your own spirituality, another man's spirituality, or God's blessings can be measured by material blessings then your relationship with the Lord could be being affected by your perspective concerning these issues of money and possessions. And so tonight we want to pick up where we left off and we want to address this issue and we want to ask this, uh, make this point that when your objective in life becomes to earn as much money as possible, then it could be having a negative effect on your relationship and hindering your relationship with the Lord. And so I want to address that a little bit and, and maybe a, another one, of course, we might get into the next section as well, but it's important that we, are, that we have the right attitude, that we have the right perspective. And so we're asking that question, at what point does money interfere with my relationship with God? Well, when your objective in life becomes to earn as much money as possible, when that's your objective. And I'll explain that. Because I'm not opposed to making a lot of money. And the Bible's not opposed to making a lot of money because we said that you don't have to be poor to please God. But we better be careful what our attitude toward that is. 
And so we'll talk about that just a little bit and see what we can't learn. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you. Thank you again for this simple, uh, this time we have together and this, this, uh, uh, the, the truths that you give us in your word. Now be glorified in everything that's said and done. We love you, Lord. We thank you for being our God, for loving us when we are so unlovable. And yet, Lord, we thank you that you've made us part of your family. You've received us into the beloved. Father, we are now, Father, so blessed, citizens of heaven, and we have you living in us. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So, turn your Bible, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4. I mean, you want to talk about, I guess, an issue that the Bible addresses directly? Well, here it is. This verse pretty much nails it. Again, when our objective in life becomes to earn as much money as possible, well, at that point, it's our money's interfering with our relationship with God more than likely. I mean, I don't think you can possibly make this your goal in life <laughs> and purpose in life and still be really in the co- proper context or relationship with the Lord. It's, it's just, it's impossible. Notice what it says in Proverbs 23, 4. Labor not to be rich. Well, that's pretty, pretty straightforward, isn't it? Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. You almost get the impression that in our own wisdom, laboring to be rich would be pretty, pretty much common based on how it, it lays it out. But the Bible's pretty clear. Labor not to be rich. I don't know about you, but when we think about making money our, our objective for life or making earning as much as we possibly can in life, that being our goal in life. Well, that seems to go totally contrary to Proverbs 23, 4, labor not to be rich. Turning to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, would you? Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. Notice what it says here in chapter 5, verse 10 of Ecclesiastes. It says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When, excuse me, when goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? Again, that first verse there really just kind of makes it pretty clear that Man, you're going to love silver, you're going to make that your, your, your great goal, your desire. Well, you'll never be truly satisfied. And we know that God wants us to be satisfied. Now again, He doesn't necessarily want us to be satisfied with what we want to be satisfied with. I mean, the truth being known, if, if we would say, okay, God, now here's a list of things that will satisfy Mark O'Donnell. The truth is, is that in that list are probably a number of things that would ultimately hinder or hamper my relationship with Him. There are things in that list that possibly might cause me even to sin or to go off the deep end or even destroy me. Because in my flesh, what I think I need most is often the thing I need least. I'm just saying we have to be very careful. And in this case, if we were, not, if we, if we were just going on mere human direction and leadership, we would say, well, man, of course silver is important. Of course gold is so valuable. We need it because look how much good we could do with it and look how much more we could accomplish with the gold and the silver. And he says, listen, you can have all the gold and the silver you want, basically, but you'll not be satisfied. That in and of itself will not do the job. 
You may believe it would, you may think it could, but it won't. Someone says, well, if I only had a better paying job, everything in life would be better. Really? That is such a lie. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you can't be content with a low paying job, I I bet, I just bet you wouldn't be content with a high paying job. If your family isn't content and happy in that little teeny house that you're living in right now, I would almost bet they'd find a reason to be upset about the big one too. I'm telling you there's more to this than just money. God's not saying, listen, there's nothing wrong with the money in that sense. Because we know that it's not money that's the root of evil, it's the love of it. But the fact is, is that silver in and of itself does not satisfy. That's what the Bible teaches. And so he says, labor not to be rich then. Don't make that your goal. Don't make that your purpose in life. Don't make that everything about how you're, of your existence. Because in the end, you'll lay on your deathbed and you'll regret spending your life building wealth instead of building relationships. Dr. Russell Anderson, the Anderson of Hiles Anderson College, was a hardworking businessman who made a lot of money in his life. We had him at our church years and years ago. At that point, he uh, allowed me to drive his $80,000, oh, what was it called? Jaguar. His $80,000 $80, Jaguar. Remember, Morgan, we all climbed in, all of us, the whole family. He said, now make sure you test it. He goes, I found that there's not too many police on 77 between here and here. Now, you know, of course, I'm a law-abiding citizen. So nonetheless, he allowed us to do that. Can you imagine an $80,000 Jaguar? And you think, well, he's got to be happy. Well, he was a happy man, and he was a godly man. According to his biographer, the secret of his financial success in business was the, were these things. Let me give you four of them that were listed there. And these are the four that were listed. There were no more. One, he tithed and gave offerings. Two, he was fruitful to every church serv- or faithful to every church service. He was faithful to soul winning. He was faithful in Bible reading and prayer. Imagine that. I mean, that's... The secret to his financial success. And if you'd have talked to him, he'd have told you that face to face. He'd have told that to your face. He told me those things. Russell Anderson believed that God could get the glory from his becoming a millionaire. He believed that. He was convinced of that. In 1970, Russell Anderson made a goal to make $1 million in just one year. He also decided to tithe 50% of his income. When the year was over, he had not made $1 million. He made $1.3 million. Listen, I think it's interesting, and I'm not uh, going to beat a dead horse here, but I'm going to tell you something. Russell Anderson said he'd give 50% of his income to the Lord. And let me tell you something. Most people in this room don't even give 10%. And we wonder why God can't trust us with anything. And someone says, well, you're judging. No, I'm not. Read the Bible yourself. And I'm going to tell you something. You want to follow. We often say things like, well, if you you want to be a millionaire, you have to, what? Learn from another millionaire. This is a good millionaire to learn from. 
1998, and I don't fully understand this statement. I just took it directly out of his biography. I, I don't really know how this works, but I know what it means. I don't know how he did it or why he did this. This seems nuts to me. But it says Dr. Anderson decided to give God $1.50 for every dollar that he made. That means he was going to give 50 cents more for every dollar. So he makes a dollar, he gives a dollar fifty to God. Now, by 1998, you've got to understand, he had amassed some wealth. But he was still giving very well, but he had so much that he thought that he could always dig into his reserves. He thought, no big deal, right? Well, in the end, he made so much money that year as a business that he even gave 300 more thousand above what he gave the dollar fifty for every dollar he made. I'm just saying... He must have projected into the future and said, man, I can afford to give even more than I thought. My reserves are going to only grow next year. I'm going to go ahead and give. I don't understand how he did it financially. I don't get all the, the economics of it all or the, the, the you know, uh, uh, accounting of it all. But I'm going to tell you something. That man was a giver. Dr. Anderson described his giving this way. He said, God and I are playing checkers. I move, then God moves. When Dr. Anderson makes a move, he says this. He says, God, look what I did. It's your move. When I last spoke to Dr. Anderson myself, he had given over $33 million to the work of Christ. $33 million. And he was responsible for literally millions and millions of people coming to Christ. It was amazing how he invested his money in missions, and how God used that money to reach millions of souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. While he was preaching at the Bill Rice Ranch, Dr. Anderson, he... Well, I'm sorry, I'm not like Dr. Anderson. I actually have a $10 bill today, not a dollar bill. But anyway, Dr. Anderson, he took a dollar bill, and he held it like this, close to his eyes. Then he extended at arm's length. You see how he did that? Now watch, I want you to see something. Here's what he said about it. As long as I have money at a distance, I can see you. Here, listen to what I'm saying. As long as I have money at a distance, I can see you. When I hold it too close to me, I can't see you. And what his point was is that money can blind us to the needs of the lost and the poor. I thought that was a pretty good illustration. Now my point is, the reason I speak quite a bit about Dr. Russell Anderson is because probably, and there's not a young person in this room that wouldn't want to drive an $80,000 Jaguar, that wouldn't want a couple, wouldn't want apartment buildings on Maui, that wouldn't want to have over, uh, you know, making millions of dollars every year in a business. And we all want the things that Dr. Anderson had, but may I say that most of us would be destroyed by what he had. It is our perspective and outlook of money. He says, listen, as long as that money's up here, I can't see you. And most people that have a lot of money often focus so much on their money, they can never see the need of others. And money becomes the God in their life. And that's what we're trying to avoid. Whether you make 30000 a year or you make 300000 a year, whether you make $3 million a year, money should never be here. It should always be out here. That's what God's trying to teach us. And I, I believe that Dr. Russell Anderson's objective in life was not to make as much money as possible. 
but rather to glorify God through the money he earned. His great love was not for gold, but for God. Now listen, you say, I want to make as much money as I can so that I can. There's a difference between that and I just want to make as much money as I can. And you be careful why you want to make a bunch of money. Because it will steal your spiritual, it'll steal your spirituality from you. It'll steal God out of your life. Again, there's nothing wrong with the money. But as believers, we have missed the boat. We have bought into the lie of the devil. We bought into the lie of our culture that it's all about money. It's all about about what we own. It's about the things we have. That's what will make you happy. That's what will give you, you know, contentment. That's what will make you satisfied. That's what will make you feel secure. Your money will make you secure. I thought except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I'm just saying we, we lose perspective. When we get money here, it's a problem. And I tell young people all the time, if you're going to work 40 hours, you might as well make as much as you can. But my friend, remember, it's not the money making the money that's the goal, though. It's making the money with a purpose. And that purpose is to support the work of God. Can you imagine if you would say to God this year, and again, I know you say, well, I don't do fleeces, I know. Well, I used to do a lot of this. I'd say, God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. And I'm going to do this, and Lord, then you do that. I have never, ever, ever, ever regretted giving God things. Never. Never. I could tell you story after story, giving that we did not have. And God's always come through and met needs. We didn't always have uh, all the money everybody else had. We didn't have all the extras that everybody had, but we never went without anything. And the truth was, in my opinion, I had everything I needed and as much as anyone else. So I may not have an extra 20 bucks on me, but I still never went without a cheeseburger if I really wanted it. You know what I'm saying? For some reason, God just made it. If I, need, if I really wanted it, it I felt somebody would walk up and... Shake my hand with a 10 in it or a 20 in it or something stupid. I just never did without, nor did my family. It's amazing what God will do, but it's our perspective. It's our perspective. I don't share this with a lot of people, but I shared it with somebody the other day, and I I think as I get older, I'm going to start sharing a few more things about my early days in in the ministry and my family. Let me tell you what was going on in our family. We were making $200 a week gross on staff at a church. We were given 25% of our income at that point. Now listen to what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that we were given $50 a week tithes and offerings to the church when we were making $200 gross. And someone says, yeah, but that was a long time ago and things were a lot cheaper. My, my, I had to pay $375 a month just to live where I was living. took me almost two and a half paychecks just to pay the rent. Not utilities, not gasoline, none of the other stuff. Listen to what I'm telling you. God did a miracle in my life and in my family's life. And I don't share that with people a lot. Because most people think, oh yeah, look at you, tooting your own horn. Oh, all arrogant and prideful. Yeah, like you're all that. I'm telling you that we put way too much emphasis on our money. And we wonder why God doesn't bless our marriages and our families like he does. 
See, there's more important things to me than that dollar bill, and it includes that little lady that I have stood by for 25, 30 years now. It's gone so fast I can't even keep track of it. It's so wonderful. And then I have these wonderful children, and I've got a wonderful ministry, and I've got great people of God that God has put around me and my wife. And listen to me. I believe that's because we never put emphasis on things that God didn't think were important. And yet we've never done without what we really need. And we've always had more than we needed and had what we wanted even. People scratch and claw to get things in the ministry even. Pastors wanting to have this and that. And if I can only have a nice house and good benefits and this and this and this and this and this and this. And they scratch and claw and manipulate and try to get what they want. And they never arrive at it. And I really believe that in most cases it's because they were, they were putting too much emphasis on the things God doesn't put emphasis on. But I think that's true in the people in the pews too. Boy, be careful you don't put too much emphasis on money. Hey, you need it to live, I get it. But don't think that it is the solve all, the fix all. It's not. God can do more with that little bit that you keep than you can do with all the the rest of it that you make. So just trust God. Obey the Lord. Do what He says. If I said to you, what limit would you put on God for giving? Would you truly obey God if He told you to do something? And again, I, I don't, listen, keep your money. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm not, I don't need your money as a pastor at Community Baptist Temple. And the truth is, Community Baptist Temple, when it's all said and done, is taken care of by God. You that are faithful givers don't give so you can take care of the preacher and take care of this building. You give because you want to please and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And that giving will continue. See, I don't worry about that giving. But when people get in their mind that churches are all about what people give, the pastor all he cares about is what people give, and, and, and he'll base his decision on moral issues and on, on, on issues of, of ministry based on what people give. Well, man, if that's the case, then that pastor's got the wrong perspective already because it's not people that are providing for the ministry, it's God. And he uses people. Praise God for you that he uses. But we cannot allow ourselves to be held hostage by people who give more. No, that, that, it doesn't work that way. Because, see, God's been able to provide for me and my family before anybody did. It was God doing that and using people at times. It was amazing what God would do. And I, all, I took that into the ministry with me. And before I ever got in the ministry, I, we were giving like this. I just want you to see, when we left the church we were at, we were giving that. That's why when we got to the Community Baptist Temple, it was no big deal. Life is good, God's great. It's not always easy, but it's good because you got the Lord on your side. I don't know. I could, spend a, I could spend hours telling you what God has done in my life. I hope you could spend hours telling me what God's done in your life. Because if he hasn't, why don't you start testing God a little bit? Why don't you put him to the test? See what he will do if you'll let him. It's amazing. Dr. Russell Anderson was not chasing gold. He was chasing God. And it's evident. I think the last count was over nine million souls that I'd heard even. His money was, 
you know, invested in and they were still building and building. And let's face it, hundreds and hundreds of churches were built overseas through the money that Dr. Russell gave. And souls were saved. He paid soul winners to go out full time knocking doors in the Philippines and in Mexico. Literally just paid them to go. Your full time job is to just knock on doors. And he paid the bill for that. Because there were souls being saved by the thousands and millions. It's amazing. I love that. I wish I had money to do that sometimes. But maybe the Lord knows I wouldn't anyway. He's smarter than I am, isn't he? Yeah, I'd like to think I'm all that, but I'm not. If I was, I think God would have given me a little more, don't you? And so maybe we're all in the same boat here, aren't we? Let's do our best, filled with the Spirit, to just obey God and have the right perspective and right attitude. Uh, also, what, what's another thing that might, uh, when, when, when could possibly money affect our relationship or interfere with our relationship with God? Well, when you think that you provide for your own needs instead of God providing for them. We touched on that here just a minute ago, but look at Philippians 4.19. This one's really, a, it's a difficult one because we're going to read another passage here in just a moment in Deuteronomy. And we see that the children of Israel really struggled with this one. And, you know, and as men, um, you know, you guys in the room, uh, you know, I'm like you. You know, we've been told all over and over and over again that we have to provide for our families. And it's our responsibility to do this. And it is. I mean, we, we are the, we're the primary breadwinner, so to speak. Biblically, scripturally, that's how God intended it to be. It's all throughout the Word of God. We see that right with Adam, right in the garden, right on through at the fall of man. But sometimes we might get, to the, get the idea that maybe it's up to us, that, it's, it's, that we do the providing. It's a me. I did this and I did that. We'll see evidence of that in Deuteronomy. But notice it says in Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I believe those needs there are more than just spirit, uh, physical. I think they're spiritual there, too. Okay, so, I, I, you know, we're not going to get into a big debate about that and break it all down right now. But there's no doubt that our needs include physical and spiritual. And God's the supplier of all those things. Aren't you glad you have a loving God in heaven that's called your father? Think about dad, you know. I mean, if you had a dad grown up that was the kind of dad that the Bible talks about, and not everybody was blessed to have a father like that. That's, there's just a reality, you know. Not everybody had that. But if you did, and, and I was fortunate enough and blessed to have that kind of father, it didn't matter what situation I found myself, as long as I wasn't doing something to abuse myself or others or something like that. Uh, my dad would, would, I mean, if I really had a need, I'm going to guarantee you this, when it was all said and done, if I came to dad and said, now listen, dad, I, I'm between jobs and I'm in a mess. And if my dad has the money, if he had the ability to do it, I believe with all my heart, he'd have stepped in and said, now son, listen, I, I, you, know, you know how much we love you guys and we know how much you mean to us and, and we're going to try to help you out. See, fathers or dads, that's a special and a very unique relationship, isn't it? Very different than other relationships. And dads will give the shirt off their backs. Dads will do everything they can to help their children. Now, again, they're not going to help them go the wrong direction, maybe. But if they're going the right direction, they're having some tough times. Dads are there to step in. And dads say, man, listen, you mean the world to me. And I'll give you everything I got. Boy, our Heavenly Father's a father like that. I mean, he's, a, he's our Heavenly Father. That's why when we pray, we say, Father. Think about that. Every time you say the word Father... 
the relationship that that implies and this, the, the relationship that it is. He's my Father. He's not just my Lord. He's not just my Savior. He's my Father. Amen. That means that available is all that supply. Every bit of the supply is mine. And boy, God wants to meet those needs, doesn't he? Deuteronomy, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're going to see this and then we're going to close tonight. What a, an amazing passage, because I think it's a reflection of humanity here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. And I think it reflects you and I today, in, in our flesh at least. When we, when we fail to cultivate the Spirit of God in our life, we fall into this temptation. We fall into the same pattern that the children of Israel did here. Notice what happens. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. And again, you know, God is not opposed to money. Now again, if somebody came in here today and said, preacher, oh boy, listen to this. I got a phone call and I got me a new job and I'm still going to be at church and I'm still going to be serving the Lord. It's not going to take me away from God or the, or the work of God or my ministry. God bless me with a new job. I'm making twice as much as I made. I'm going to be making $12 an hour instead of six. No, I'm teasing. But anyway, say, I'm going to make a lot. You know what I'm saying? I doubled my income. I'd be like, praise God, brother. What are you doing? What are you going to be doing? I'd be excited, you know. I've, I've already prayed about it, and I know that it's not going to interfere with my ministry. It's not going to interfere with church. It's not going to interfere with all of those things. It's, it's just wonderful. I can't even believe it. It's like an even trade, except I'm doubling my income. I have an opportunity to witness to some new people. I have a, man, I'd be like, wow, this is great. But watch what happened to these children of Israel, because in a sense, that's what happened to them. Look at this. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Well, that's good, isn't it? Beware. <laughs> he comes First up, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes when I command thee this day, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which thy fathers knew not that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. When we fail to keep God's commandments in the most simple, basic way, 
The temptation is to ultimately look at the prosperity or the things that we have accomplished in life and those things which we have amassed in life as far as wealth or, or property or possessions and begin to somehow convince ourselves that it was our strength and our hands and our ability and our might that brought this to be. And someone says, boy, you have a lovely house. I know. I worked my tail off to get it. You probably did. But who gave you the strength to work your tail off? Who gave you the health and who gave you the ability to get the job done or the wisdom to to do the kind of work you do or the knowledge or understanding? God did all that. And sometimes if we're not careful when we become negligent of God's commands, when we begin to go off our own direction and we start to go our own path, we forget who gave us everything and we forget who deserves all the glory. It's not that, listen, if, you're, if, if you have a wonderful family, I promise you that is not by coincidence and it is not luck. Yes, you have applied principles, but I trust and I would almost guarantee you, if that's the case, you applied biblical principles. So although you have put forth great effort and although you have attended to God's word and although you may have really strived to try to do things God's way, the fact is, is that you are still only a partner with God in that regard. He's the one who gave you the outline. He's the one who told you the prescription. He's the one that gave you the blueprint that you followed. It's God that gets the glory. And so that's true with our money. That's true with our families. It's true with our jobs and anything else in our lives. Let's not ever get to the place where we start to look at our own selves and say, you know what, I provide for my own needs. It wasn't God, it's me. Boy, that's a, that's, that's a bad thing. That's becoming a problem. That perspective and attitude toward money and possessions is not biblical. Boy, may we always give God the glory He deserves. Elevate Him like He deserves. Magnify Him like He deserves. Any good thing we have in life is a direct result of God. And we need to always remember Him. Boy, that pride gets in there, doesn't it, if we're not careful. And you know what? It's natural. (laughs) Someone says, I've never thought that way. Good for you. Good. Good for you. I'm glad to hear it. I'll tell you what. For me, I'm telling you, this old flesh is, it's a mess. And that pride and stuff can get in there and, you know. But really, it's all him, isn't it? So we have to always work at that. Stay in the Word of God. Obey the Word of God. And you know what? The temptation, or not so much the temptation, but the likelihood of you getting into a position where money becomes, you know, right here, is so much more unlikely. Stay faithful to God where you're at. Boy, I tell you what. God has blessed you in this room. And you're here tonight. You've made the right choices. You're in the right place. Don't let anyone steal that from you. And when the devil starts telling you you're wasting your time serving the Lord and obeying him, don't believe it for a moment. This is a good place to be. And this book is the right place to be. Don't give up on God ever. Don't ever throw him to the side. Don't determine that it's not worth serving God. It is. And you've made good choices to this point. Don't stop making those good ones now. Stay at it. Stay faithful. And we'll just trust the Lord with the end.
and the results. Father, we love you. Thank you again for this time together. And thank you, Father, for a people who have proven themselves faithful in so many ways. And Lord, nobody knows my heart, and I don't necessarily know everybody else's heart, but what we do see is the choices and the decisions we've been making along the way, and we watch each other, and we see how those choices turn out for your glory. Lord, help us to each just obey your commands, and Lord, never to allow money, possessions, or things to prioritize our lives, to take, take possession of our heart. Lord, may we always give our very best to you first. We love you now, Lord. We'll thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand every head bowed.